You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Resurrection Life. Christ is risen. Today I want to focus on the vital role that our marriages have in our parenting. That's the parenting partnership that I want to talk about today's podcast, such an ingenious invention of our Lord, so important uh, for our parenting endeavor. So I have some encouragements today for moms and dads who are married. Uh, But I'm also aware that not every parent is married. And so in this same podcast, I also have some encouragements for single moms and dads. So that's what's ahead if you choose to listen on. Now, I should say at the outset, I am going to be assuming a certain amount of biblical truth uh, about marriage, male and female roles in marriage, uh, as I draw out some of the implications of that for parenting. There's actually some pretty important exegetical and theological foundations in those areas that I'm not going to be building. I've taught on those subjects at Resurrection over the years. Uh, And what I thought I might do uh, is uh, in the, I think they're called show notes of this particular episode, uh, to link to a couple of sermons that I have preached uh, that may be helpful in providing some of that broader biblical and theological background to the things that I'm saying more practically. Uh, Two links to two sermons that I've preached at Resurrection. The first is called The Complementarian Vision. That's a sermon from Ephesians chapter 5. And it's on the roles of men and women in relation to each other in their marriages. The second is a sermon called Traditional or Biblical Gender Roles? Uh, question mark. And it takes up the teaching of Genesis 2-3 to on the roles of men and women more broadly in fulfilling the cultural mandate. So everything I'm going to say in today's podcast uh, actually, in one way or another, presupposes the content that I summarize in those two sermons So I thought it might be helpful to point to them uh, here at the outset. All right, we've already seen that the nurture of children is one of the reasons that God ordained marriage. Now I want to consider more fully how to make the most of this partnership team. Here's the first thing I want to say to my fellow parents who are married. It's this, brothers and sisters, there is almost nothing more important that you can do for your children than to cultivate an intimate and growing relationship with your spouse. So before I talk to you in this series about your relationship with kids, I want to talk to you about your relationship with each other. A friend of mine, a colleague in ministry, was uh, once conferring with me about parenting problems as we encounter them in our churches. And it was his observation uh, that many, many times uh, he can see underlying parenting problems, uh, marriage problems. Uh, And he actually said somewhat facetiously, instead of um, parenting conferences, we probably ought to just talk about how to be married uh, as God has ordained it. Well, I think what was behind that kind of comment is something I've seen as well. Um, It's not uncommon, in fact, to see mothers, uh, fathers, uh, seemingly devoted to being good moms and good dads, 
but little realizing that the relationship that they have with each other that they're neglecting uh, or that is actually becoming <clears throat> a, a soured relationship has the potential to undo what they are trying to do as parents. I could put it in the positive. <clears throat> if you and your wife or your husband have a solid, growing relationship, brothers and sisters, you're already giving to your children the best part of being in a Christian home. The stability of that good marriage, the harmony that is there between the two of you, uh, the joy uh, that overflows from that marriage into the family. Uh, Folks, that's the greatest of all uh, blessings that you can give, uh, save uh, the blessing of uh, the gospel itself. So I said it's almost the most important thing. You know why I say it's the Almost the most important thing. Yes, um, cultivating a deeper and deeper relationship with Christ. That is the most important thing that you can do. But uh, don't separate those two things, at least not by much. Um, If there's trouble in your Christian marriage, uh, it's certainly affecting your fellowship with Christ. My brothers might want to look up 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 7, just to see the apostle Peter giving that link between our relationship with our wives and our relationship with the Lord. So why is a solid marriage uh, so vital to uh, our children having a Christian upbringing? Well, just think about it. Um, Your marriage models for your children how we're to live as sinners in relationship with other sinners. Uh, That's one of the most fundamental things we can uh, lead our children in Uh, knowing and understanding, uh, it's how to do that. And that relationship that you have with your husband or wife is the model of that for them. It obviously models also what a godly marriage should look like, which will serve them in good uh, stead in the long run. It provides security for them. Uh, It heightens your own moral authority in their lives, particularly as you can be united in the things that you appeal to them uh, for As Christian parents, I could go on. Um, I could also uh, reverse those things uh, and say that um, a marriage can undermine in pretty profound ways the things that we do in our parenting, particularly if our children are in the kind of front row seat that they have uh, watching our relationship as husband and wife uh, over time uh, break down. So while this series is not going to take a whole detour uh, in the direction of uh, talking about Christian marriage, uh, it's possible that there are those who are listening who themselves need to take that detour. Uh, The biggest thing you can do, I want to say, for your children is to work on your marriage. Uh, That may look like getting marriage counseling or attending a marriage seminar or husband and wife starting a personal prayerful study together uh, of the subject of marriage. Many good uh, materials uh, available for that. I would just say here, for the sake of your children, make your marriage your top priority. You know, it occurs to me to say, uh, that's one of the most basic reasons why we should not have child-centric homes. When I speak that way, I'm talking about the home that absolutely revolves around the wants and needs of the children in it. 
Folks, that's bad for your children. We'll come back to various reasons why that's so, but it's also bad for your marriage, which I'm trying to say now is bad for your children. Uh, lots of Christian homes uh, kind of get fixed in the state that they were in those first days when baby came home from the hospital. There's something inevitably child-centric about those days. I don't deny it. There's something good and right about everything revolving around the needs of that infant as he or she gets used to life outside of a womb. Brothers and sisters, some homes seem to never move into a more balanced state uh, where dad and mom are also tending to their own personal needs, their spiritual needs, their own relationships with Christ. They're not tending to their own marital needs and the time and energy it takes to deepen a marriage relationship. In some cases, they're not going beyond the needs of their children to uh, consider service and ministry uh, beyond the family. That's a child-centric home that I'm saying is a a threat uh, to what I'm speaking about here of investing deeply in our marriages. I'll put it to you this way. Um, your children, moms and dads, your children need to know from the earliest days of their ability to comprehend, mom and dad are devoted to each other, not just me. Matter of fact, I think I'm in second place. We, as the the kids in the family, we're in second place. (laughs) That's why uh, you can't get back out of bed after we've tucked you in and prayed and put you to sleep or put you to bed at least. Uh, You can't get back out of bed. Uh, One of the reasons is mom and dad need time with each other. Uh, That's why they want you to play in the yard on Saturday morning while they sip their coffee and catch up after the week of work. Uh, Folks, your devotion to your marriage relationship needs to be at the center of your home. It is the backbone of your whole parental endeavor. Uh, So that's the first thing that I want to say to my brothers and sisters who are parents uh, on a parenting team. The second thing I want to say to my fellow parents who are married is this. You will not experience the full benefits of your partnership and parenting without continually communicating strategizing, and praying together. Now, folks, this is the wisdom of God. He's ordained uh, that this awesome parental undertaking uh, be given to, I'll call it a dream team of two. That's his ordinary way. Uh, A man and a woman united in love and shared vision. And that plurality... um, Presbyterians like that word. We talk about a plurality of elders in the church, which leads to a greater wisdom, a greater uh, faithfulness. Well, that's also God's ordinary way in parenting, that there be a plurality of parents, that we not have to do uh, the hard work of parenting alone. But this is where I want to say uh, the benefits of that partnership that is God's ordinary way they're not found apart from uh, intentionality. Uh, That is, making the most of that partnership. Uh, They're not found in simply the status of being married. Uh, They're not found in sharing the same address or uh, filing a joint return with the IRS. Uh, And I say this because 
it is easily the case that um, moms and dads uh, in married relationship with one another uh, can still do their parenting in very detached uh, and individualistic ways. Uh, She's doing a lot of hands-on parenting, perhaps. Uh, He arrives and does a lot of parenting in little bursts, you might say. But there's not a lot of coordination, not a lot of conferring on goals and strategies. Sometimes there's even work at cross-purposes. So that's why I have, uh, at Resurrection, uh, more than once spoken of the most important kind of, quote, parenting conference. It's not the kind of conference you drive to and spend a weekend sitting under somebody who's uh, talking about parenting. This is the kind of parenting conference that I would say is the most important kind. It's the conferring that you and your spouse do together about your kids and about your parenting of them. For example, it's the kind of conference that's called when dad says to mom, hey, uh, tell me what I need to know about what you're dealing with with Johnny. Or mom perhaps initiating it saying, hey, um, I need to give you some updates. Some stuff's been happening It's the kind of ongoing conversations that take place between you, moms and dads, about the stages your kids are in, the struggles that they're in, the sin problems that are arising, and how you're going to address them. It's the kind of crisis conference that sometimes needs to be called, mom and dad need to talk, um, as you realize how the Jesus lit off our cracker in this house, and we need to talk about it, we need to pray about it, we need to seek together as a team some new ways of doing things. That's what I'm calling the ultimate parenting conference. It's husbands and wives conferring uh, about their work that they do jointly. That's when parenting, folks, you can see, is more proactive and less reactive. It's more, I'd even say, pastoral, uh, because you're together as, as it were, the the, the shepherding team in your home, uh, considering how best to uh, minister to your own children. I think I can say that that is uh, one of the things my kids have grown up knowing beyond any doubt. Uh, their parents talk about them. <laughs> they talk about their sin problems. They talk about their privileges, their responsibilities, uh, the various relationships they have, their school, their future plans, etc., etc., by the way, folks, um, in many circumstances, it's not edifying and it's downright sinful uh, to talk about someone not present and to focus on their sins. Uh, that's gossip in many, many contexts. But it's not inappropriate. It's absolutely essential for moms and dads in love and out of a heart for ministry to confer together about their children to include their sins as they seek to, in a united way, uh, address those sins with the means that God has appointed. Uh, It's God's ordinary plan for this work of parenting to be done by a team of two. You need two uh, for that child to even exist. And folks, you need two uh, in God's ordinary way to be together in their raising Uh, of their children. Uh, We have in our congregation as one of the 
vows that parents take as they submit their children for baptism. Do you promise to pray with and for your children? That praying for your children, uh, that surely is at the centerpiece uh, of this um, communicating and strategizing that moms and dads do together. So that's the second thing that I want to say by way of encouragement to my fellow parents who are married. And here's the third thing I want to say. In the partnership that God has designed, dads, you are the parent-in-chief. And moms, you are the parent par excellence. Now, I'm just making here some broad comments about the roles, the distinct roles that we have as moms and dads. And I'm using somewhat whimsical designations here. Don't think that I'm tending in one stroke to sum everything up that the Bible teaches about uh, the contributions of moms and dads. I'm being a little bit less ambitious than that here. But in the context of talking about the parental partnership, I think it's important for moms and dads to have a healthy perspective about what each uniquely contributes in that partnership and what the other uniquely contributes to that partnership. The biblical vision for the home means complementary parental roles as well as marital roles. I'm touching on that here. And I'll start, dads, by saying, when I say you're the parent-in-chief, here's what I have in mind. I have in mind the fact that God in his word places on your shoulders the final authority and responsibility for all the parenting that takes place in your home. If there is any man listening to me who's gotten the idea, um, I bring home the paycheck, I change the oil in the cars, I keep up the yard, but the kids, well, they're my wife's responsibility. I want you to think again, my friend. Remember how the Apostle Paul uh, addresses his words to parents in Ephesians 6. Uh, Verse 4, he simply says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He doesn't even mention mothers. What's up with that? Well, he's certainly not disregarding the role of mothers, but he is quite clearly placing the ultimate responsibility for parenting on dads. My brothers, your wife is your indispensable helper in this, and she will do a great deal of the hands-on parenting, but all of it is ultimately your responsibility. You're the parent-in-chief. And that's been one of my primary pastoral responsibilities, to get that point across uh, to men. God's not just given men authority in their homes, over their wives and their children. He's given them responsibility. So here's some of the implications of that, dads. If there's a need for better parenting in your homes, you should take the initiative to address that. That's what leadership entails. Um, 90% or so is taking initiative to address problems. Uh, If anyone needs to listen to a podcast series on parenting, uh, it should first of all be you. This is my appeal to all those dads in my congregation, perhaps, who are not listening to this right now. If the wheels are coming off in your home, dad, this means you're not blaming your wife for that. 
you're asking a much more humble question. How can I lead better in my home? So when parenting decisions need to be made, you are guiding and facilitating that decision. You're not just leaving all those decisions to your wife and then, of course, the consequences of those decisions with your wife. And if you and your wife are not on the same page on issues, you're the one who's seeking to pursue full understanding of each other's perspectives. And at the end of the day, uh, you're the one willing to make the final call. Brothers, as challenging as this role of parent-in-chief is, I think there's something about who you are as a man that should relish it. It is what you're made to be in your home. It's what you bring uniquely to this parental partnership. But moms, let me tell you what I mean when I say you are the parent par excellence. I have in mind the fact that the influence for good in your children's lives that God has given you has no rival on earth. I quoted from Robert Dabney a couple episodes ago, speaking, marveling uh, at the God-like influence that a parent has with a child. Well, that's first and foremost seen in motherly influence. Folks, really, the longer I am an observer of Christian parenting, the more I think that the most formative influence in a person's life occurs in those first three, four, perhaps five years of life. And folks, mothers are the ones who wield the bulk of this influence. Perhaps this expression is familiar to you. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Um, That's a saying. I think it was originally a poem. Uh, But that's a saying uh, that I'm sure gets uh, critical review from feminists of our day. Perhaps uh, that saying could be viewed as patronizing on the part of male chauvinists, just an attempt to pacify women Uh, as we try to keep them in the home, perhaps barefoot and pregnant. Folks, I actually think there's something profound that's being captured uh, by that saying. There is something mysterious and powerful in God's ordinary providence about the mother-child bond, especially when that mother is devoted to that relationship. A fun fact for members of Resurrection, Uh, some of you will know this, my first sermon as a ministerial candidate at Resurrection Presbyterian back in the 1900s was on a Mother's Day. And uh, though I was not even married, much less a father, I said to myself, I said, self, might be a good move to preach on motherhood. So I chose as my text, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And it's where Paul is speaking to Timothy uh, with these words. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. I don't remember everything about that sermon, but I do uh, remember testifying to how I could relate to Timothy uh, in that line of women. Uh, My faith uh, was something passed to me by the grace of God, in a unique way uh, from my mother. 
uh, and hers from uh, her mother, in turn, in God's way with my family. Uh, So I will be returning to all that uh, godly fathers provide in their parenting on the upbringing of their children. But I am just simply here emphasizing uh, that we are in a unique way, a product of our mother's spiritual influence, especially in those very early years. Uh, That's when the intimacy of the relationship between parent and child is most dramatic. It's between mothers and their children. And that's also where the sheer amount of time that mothers are able to have with their children uh, proves to be so formative of an influence. Uh, dads have a profound influence, especially in the raising of young men and women, but their influence comes uh, in the wake of what I'm submitting as the most formative influence of mothers. I've said to the congregation I pastor, if I were ever uh, forced to make an excruciating decision as if... Uh, I ever could be in this case, uh, would a child have a Christian mother or a Christian father? What a, what a dreadful decision, of course. Folks, I would choose any day a wise and godly mother, a Eunice uh, in Timothy's life. Moms are the parent par excellence. And sisters, as challenging as this role of parent par excellence is, there's something about who you are as a woman that should relish it. It's what you're made to be in your home. That's what you uniquely bring uh, to this parental partnership. Well, now I want to turn a corner, and I do have some special words of encouragement to those who, in one way or another, have been deprived of all this help and blessing that I've been uh, speaking to thus far of a parental partnership. Uh, Perhaps you've lost your partner by death uh, or by divorce. Uh, Perhaps you've never had a parenting partner uh, due to his or her uh, delinquency from the very start. Or perhaps you're in a marriage in which distinctly Christian parenting is not a shared ambition. This can be, indeed, a great burden uh, to be a single mom or dad. And perhaps uh, it seems even heavier to you just now if you've been listening to the things that I've uh, been speaking to in the foregoing uh, things. So I'm very keenly mindful of that. And here is what I want to say. Uh, I've been reviewing thus far what we might call God's ordinary means of grace in parenting. And his ordinary means of grace involve a husband-wife partnership. But folks, God doesn't just have at his disposal, if you will, ordinary means of grace. He's a God of extraordinary means of grace as well, if I may speak that way. And that is what you have every right to seek and to expect from the Lord. Notice, if you are weaker as a parent without that partnership that I've been speaking of, that God himself has withheld in his own providence, brothers and sisters, you can expect that he has to you the same word as he had to the Apostle Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect 
in weakness. So that's what I want to say immediately. And then I want to add to that uh, three specific words of encouragement uh, for those who are parenting uh, solo. Number one, by this grace of God that I've just been speaking of, uh, folks, your parenting itself will be sufficient for your sons and daughters' needs. By the grace of God, that is so. I'm sure it's painful to hear about the partnership God intends for husbands and wives, and it might be tempting for some to hear about that and to come to the conclusion, if that's what it takes to raise good kids, I am sunk. Dear ones, I want to say that's not, quote, what it takes in some abstract or formulaic way. What it takes to raise godly children is God's grace in broken human vessels, which we all are, as we pour out ourselves in devotion to him. And here's the truth of the scripture that should be of great comfort to all of us, and single parents in particular. God loves to show uh, his strength in our human weakness. I teach a class at Greyfriars Classical Academy, uh, a partner ministry of resurrection, Uh, in which I have, in the course of the year, the opportunity to introduce the students to multiple church fathers, Uh, those giants, those spiritual giants that God raised up to lead the church in the early um, centuries of of the New Testament church's existence. Uh, And so I get to introduce them to men like John Chrysostom, um, one-time bishop of Constantinople, uh, end of the fourth century, beginning of the fifth century. And uh, what Uh, many would regard to be the father of the whole Eastern Church. John Chrysostom, his last name is really uh, literally John the Golden Mouth because uh, he was apparently uh, one of the church's greatest of all preachers. Uh, John Chrysostom became the uh, giant that he was without the benefit of any Christian fathering in his life. The same is said of St. Augustine. Uh, Some would say uh, uh, St. Augustine uh, is uh, the greatest leader of the church between the Apostle Paul uh, and Martin Luther. That is one judgment uh, made by one particular um, church historian that I quote, St. Augustine, uh, one of the greatest of all church fathers. And uh, it's not that St. Augustine uh, was raised by two Christian parents either. Uh, His mother, Monica, famously, uh, was the sole parental uh, influence in his life unto uh, Christianity. I emphasize this in my class um, and uh, emphasize the the role in this case of Christian women uh, nurturing uh, as, um, for all practical purposes, uh, single mothers uh, to these uh, young men who became such giants. Uh, The reason I'm pointing this out is that all of us as parents, uh, whether in a uh, team of one or a team of two, have profound human limitations. Uh, We have our own unique uh, struggles and limitations. But I'm reminding you that God is not hindered by our human limitations. Just remember he's brought countless children to himself and to great usefulness in his kingdom apart from any Christian parenting at all. That doesn't lead us to the conclusion that Christian parenting isn't that important. It just reminds us, it makes us aware of the sovereign grace of our Heavenly Father 
uh, that is not hindered by our limitations. So by this grace, your parenting itself will be sufficient for your son's and daughter's needs. That's first. Secondly, your circumstances do underscore the vital importance of a faithful church as the right context for all Christian parenting. All of us uh, are uh, rightly as parents to be mindful of this, and especially the single mom or single dad. We want to raise our children uh, with the help of, if you will, an even larger team uh, of fellow parents, the church. That's what the covenant community provides to us. That's what a mature and godly congregation provides to us. I could take a little detour at this point in this series on parenting and just talk about the church and the importance of the church in our lives as Christians. I won't do that. But if you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, you're right to want to be in a church community with, for example, godly men who will be examples to your sons uh, if uh, you do not have a Christian husband or vice versa if you're the single dad. I will just note it's not realistic, I realize, to expect the church to provide what only a father can or what only a mother can, but it is well and good to look to a mature church community to mitigate uh, that loss in the life of your son or daughter. And I would just add, don't be bashful about asking that godly man or that godly woman to have a, a, a role in mentoring and discipling uh, those in your home. To my member, fellow members at Resurrection, I'll just put this little uh, note. That should be one of the conspicuous features of our whole mentoring and discipling ministry as a church, uh, prioritizing uh, with intentional nurture those who, uh, in God's providence, uh, do not have a Christian dad or do not have a Christian mom. The third thing I want to say to my brothers and sisters who are parenting, at least as Christians, alone is this. When your Christian parenting is being undermined by someone who should be a partner rather than an opponent, remember that a faithful God is on your side. And so, by his grace, is time. Time is on your side as well. I think these may be the hardest of all parental situations. Um, Having a spouse, perhaps, who's hostile to Christianity and to your ambitions to raise Christian children, or perhaps the one who was once your spouse, who is uh, now through divorce seeking to undermine you uh, at every turn. My heart, brothers and sisters, is full of compassion for those who find themselves in this set of circumstances. And I am aware that in these situations, the conscientious Christian parent can feel at such a disadvantage. Uh, You're not willing, for example, to simply buy the affection of your children with gifts and so on. Uh, You are the parent that's convinced, very typically, that discipline and structure are vital to a child's upbringing. Uh, You're the one who's going to say no again and again to uh, that worldly influence uh, coming in through the various floodgates that our society provides into your children's lives. And I realize that you would have at least some reason to fear that undiscerning children will be alienated by some of your conscientious uh, convictions in the area of parenting. Here's what I offer to you. Uh, it's a word from First Peter chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, uh, Peter writes, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will 
entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I'm saying that God calls you uh, to faithfully parent your children in keeping with his word. That's the doing good of 1 Peter 4 applied to this situation. That's the doing good, faithfully parenting your children in keeping with his word. And he asks you as you do that to entrust not only your souls, but your children's souls to their faithful creator. It should be of great encouragement to you that God is on your side. It means you don't have to resort to compromised methods uh, to secure your children's hearts. God is on your side as a Christian parent in their life. And I just offer that by my own observation, so often by the grace of God, time is also on your side. Over time, children are able to see where the compelling example of humility and of godliness, Christ-likeness, really is. Um, at the risk of sounding trite, uh, folks, the parental partnership that matters most, after all, is the God-with-us partnership. It's the Emmanuel partnership. Uh, God-with-us, single parents, or in a parenting team, God-with-us, winning and wooing our children to himself through our faithful parenting. That's the ultimate parental partnership. That's what makes all parenting, single or double parenting alike, of eternal good uh, to our kids. So that's uh, all that I have uh, to speak to this much larger and very worthy subject of partnership in our parenting, the marriage partnership. Uh, I'll be referring back to it, of course, in days ahead. But from here on, uh, we'll be focusing more on those sons and those daughters, uh, those children uh, that we are uh, seeking to raise up. Uh, in uh, love for Christ. Well, that will suffice for today. Brothers and sisters, the Lord keep you in his grace. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.